the signs and sayings of John. We've gone through the signs and we've understood that the signs are written that we may believe in Jesus and that by believing in him we would have life. And so as we switch over to the signs, um, they also point to who Jesus is. And he's revealing that he is God in these sayings. And the sayings are prefaced by I am. And I am, Jesus uses it on its own. And he's referring to um, the title or the name that God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so in John um, 8 verse 58, Jesus says, before, before Abraham was born, I am. And so he's saying, I am God. Before Abraham ever was, I have, or before Abraham came into existence, I already exist without beginning and end. I am, I am God. And so he uses it on its own, I am, but then he also uses it seven times in the book of John before something describing how he is the fulfillment of something that we see in Old Testament scriptures. And so he's coming to say, I am God, I am his son, and I am the fulfillment of what you have known and read and seen in the Old Testament scriptures. So there's seven of these in the book of John, John likes the number seven, and they all point to his divinity, that he is God. And so we're going to look at the first one today in John chapter six, and we're going to read a chunk of scripture. So settle yourselves, get yourselves in a comfortable position, and let's read John chapter six. We're going to go from verse 25 all the way through to 59. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are not looking for me because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus then declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on that last day. At this time, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has ever seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate the manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Amen. The whole chapter, John frames within the context of Passover. So he starts by saying it was near the Passover. And then Jesus feeds the 5,000 he performs this wonderful sign and they start to kind of twig that maybe this is the prophet we were expecting who's done the same thing that Moses did. And they're like, maybe it's him. But then they don't fully understand that in order to be king and to save them, he has to die. So they want to make him king then and there. And Jesus is like, that's not the way. So he, he, he sneaks away. And so they follow him and they follow him. And they ask him the question, where did you go? Jesus doesn't even respond to that question, which he does a lot in John. There's certain questions he just doesn't respond to because he's like, that's not the point. And so he says to them, 
you're not coming to me because you saw the sign and then put your faith in me and believed. The sign almost didn't serve its purpose in your heart, but you're coming to me just because you're purely concerned about your physical needs and what I can do for you in the here and now. Not because you recognize me as God and want to worship me and give your life to me. Not because you want to serve me, but just because you want me to serve you. And Jesus does this almost to kind of distinguish between the false followers and the true followers. Because as we get to the very end of chapter 6, and Jesus only gets more um, clear with what he says. When they start to be like, what does this mean? Are you sure this is true? He doesn't back down. He's like, this is the truth. It might sound crazy to you, but you must eat my flesh. You must drink my blood. We'll talk about that in a minute. And again, because they're only thinking in the natural, it completely went over their heads. Completely. And they missed out. But Jesus didn't back down because he was prodding at their hearts. He knew what was really in their hearts and he was calling them to believe. But they chose to resist and stay in that. And so many, many, many turned away at that point and they stopped following him. Interestingly, Jesus wasn't necessarily bothered by that because he wasn't going to compromise on the truth. That's not going to save them. And he turns and says to the 12, are you also going to go? And they're like, where can we go? Because we've come to believe that you are the son of God and you have the words of life. Now, the disciples, they didn't always get it. They didn't always understand. How many times in the scripture does Jesus say to the disciples, do you still not understand what I'm doing? Do you still not get who I am? Do you still not understand where this is all going? Do you not get how this works? Do you not remember how I fed the 5,000 and now you're worried about the 4,000? They were slow in their understanding, yet they followed him because there are two responses to Jesus. There are two, fundamentally. Belief or unbelief. That's it. There are two responses. And Jesus says to the people who are following him in verse 29, because the Jews were very concerned about what must I do to follow the law? What must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus got asked this question time and time again. The young rich, rich, the young rich ruler, ruler, yeah, that's it, <laughs> came to him, what must I do? And Jesus said, sell all your things, give to the poor, follow me. And that was a hard thing because he was prodding at the heart. He wanted to perform some kind of work to then get eternal life. But Jesus says, all I am asking of you is to believe. That is the response. And they go on and on. I, know, I think it's about five times in this passage. And they keep saying, but, and this, and uh, and uh, and they're trying to reason purely in their physical mind and in their stubbornness of heart. Because there's a stubbornness of heart here. Jesus has already done an incredible miracle, but they're still resisting. So they've chosen to remain in unbelief. And that's the choice that we have. John 3, 16 to 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. And he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of God. Romans 10 verse 9, but if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
there is something about a belief and a conviction in my heart, even though I cannot put all the dots on the I's and the crosses on the T's, that Jesus is God. And that is where we begin. Nobody comes to faith completely understanding everything. Nobody does. But the belief is when we step into then begin to understand and comprehend exactly what it is Jesus has done for us. In 2 Corinthians 3.16, Paul is talking about how the Jewish people still have this veil over their eyes and their minds when they hear the scripture because they just cannot see how Jesus is the Messiah. They can't, they can't get it. They can't perceive. There's still this veil over them. But he says in, in, in verse three, chapter 3 and 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The turning comes before the veil is removed. And of course, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that even enables us to turn. But in the turning to Jesus and in the believing in Jesus is the, is the entrance into the life that he has. Not fully understanding and grasping everything and then choosing. Because we never will. We will always, always for eternity be understanding and seeing him more and more and being transformed into who he is. One theologian put it this way. Unbelief is never satisfied no matter how much evidence is given. It's true. Now, hear me, hear me right. When we talk about unbelief, this state of the heart, it's different to not comprehending because because, of course, I, I, I still have doubts sometimes. I still go through struggles where I'm like, Jesus, why? Jesus, I don't understand why that person had to die. I don't understand why this person is still sick. I don't understand why that never happened. But my conviction and my belief that Jesus is real stays. That one does not shift because there is life. So I can have the, this going on, but I keep the belief if I choose unbelief, I will be stuck in death forever. I put myself there. No one else does. Obviously, the prince of the age blinds us. But we can remain in there unless we choose belief. They were more concerned about their physical needs and their spiritual needs. And of course, Jesus cares because he did give them bread. And he will provide for all our needs according to his riches and glory. It's a given, my friends. You don't have to doubt that God will provide your physical needs. That one is a given. Because he cannot go against his word. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. He will always provide, settle it in your hearts right now, so that you can remain and persevere in the place where it really matters in your heart, believing and putting your faith in Jesus, because it is impossible to please him without faith, because you must first believe that he is, and then he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's all about belief. All he asks is for us to believe. And that be, as that belief comes, our, our spiritual eyes are open. We are aware of the reality of what things actually are and what really matters. And we are not bogged down with the things that would distract us from life. Or distract us from being a witness of this life. Like we've already prayed this morning. That we would carry this life and love of God out into the world. But there is so much that would seek in the physical 
and the natural to distract us and keep us stuck there when he's already got it. He's already got it. It's a given. They couldn't see who Jesus really was. Again, they're just looking in the natural. And so when Jesus says, you need to eat my flesh, now whether he meant the bread and the wine or whether he meant eating as in consuming and making a decision to to believe in Jesus in that one moment, because again, theologians have all kinds of opinions on what that really meant. But there is an understanding that Jesus, thank you, Lord, was not talking about cannibalism. That is not what he was saying. And if that's what you're hearing, you're missing something. You're missing the point. The point is that Jesus says, I am giving my flesh. It's actually going to be sacrificed for you. Now, I need you to take that in. And I need you to accept it. And I need you to receive it by faith. Believe it. Then you're saved. Not by anything you've done, but by what I have done. But Jesus didn't sugarcoat. And he kept going. And he kept telling them. And interestingly, the the language of hunger and thirst is used all throughout the Bible to describe the longing in every human heart for God. Because there is a longing in every single person for God. It might be placed elsewhere and sought to find answers in things that are not him. But the longing is still there. Because God created us. He put eternity in human hearts so that somehow we might seek out and find him. But that longing that you have for truth, that longing that you have for wholeness, for satisfaction, for affirmation, for understanding who you are, for purpose, for all the questions, is only fulfilled in Jesus. Because he is the bread of life. And when you eat that bread, you'll never be hungry again. You will never be hungry. You won't have to run to other things to try and satisfy those needs. Because he will fill you. He will fill you. Psalm 42 verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You may have never met him before. He wants to meet you now. He wants to fill you. He wants to be your sustenance and your life. You may already know him, but maybe your hunger for other things has overtaken your hunger for him. That happens. Maybe our hunger for natural things and all the distractions has clouded has clouded and kind of tried to fill but isn't really filling so you keep going back for more when really it's found in Jesus. And so Jesus says throughout this scripture, come and believe. Come and believe. Isaiah 55. Guys, do you want to come up? Isaiah 55, and from verse 1 to 3, this is the invitation of Jesus. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. 
come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend on what is not bread? Why spend your money on what is not bread? On the things that will just pass away. And it only satisfy for a moment. And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Jesus is the true bread. He's the living bread. And we're not called to live by physical bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. They ate physical bread and they still died. But Jesus comes as the true bread, the living word of God, that when we believe in what he says, we will never die. Because as we believe in him, we have eternal life. So I'd like us just to close our eyes as the band start playing. And um, I'm going to ask us to respond. But when we, when, we, when we, you know, sometimes in church do responses, kind of all stand up because we don't want to be the only one who's not standing up because then we look like I'm not responding. It's not about that. It's between you and Jesus. So it's okay if you don't stand. But I'm going to ask you to stand and respond to Jesus if you feel this applies to you. If you feel this applies to you. So with every eye closed, every eye closed, just fix them on Jesus because he's the source. Fix your eyes on Jesus and just allow yourself to become aware of your spiritual hunger. That part of you that isn't flesh and bones, but that is who you are. Become aware of it now. And if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to, I want you to stand now. If you've never made a decision, but you want to, I want you to stand. If you know, you know him, you know that you know that you know him, but there are things that have clouded your hunger for him, and you want more of him, I want you to stand now. loving him with your whole heart but you know that there's more I want you to stand now 
Jesus, I thank you that you see every heart response. It's not for the sake of an exercise, but it's for the sake of us telling ourselves and moving in ourselves in response to you, Jesus. And your word promises that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. As we take this step and this physical move with our whole being towards you, Jesus, we ask that you would come and fill the hunger of our souls, whether it's to know you for the first time or to know you over and over again. I pray that you awaken our hearts, Lord Jesus, from stupor. Awaken our hearts from sleeping to the realities of the life that is found in you, Jesus. And I pray that our hunger for you, Lord Jesus, our hunger for you, Jesus, would grow more.